Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. Have you ever begun a task and then realized you don't have everything that you need uh, to do it? That can be a pretty frustrating experience. Sometimes I feel like I've experienced that when it comes to uh, things related to cooking that I've come across in my life. I start a task and then realize, uh uh-oh, I don't have everything I need. Remember one time, even I was on vacation with some friends, and one of my friends he'd brought his grill on the vacation. And one of the days, the big plan was we're gonna, you know, smoke this rack of ribs for five hours, and uh, you know we're, we're gonna make this really nice dinner. And so we started the process of doing all that, and we realized, oh no, we forgot this. And we were staying at some house kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, There was only one of those kind of gas station general stores like 15 minutes away. So we had to drive there, find the thing that we needed. Thankfully, they had it uh, come back to the house, continue. And then not too much longer later, we realized, uh uh-oh, we forgot something else. And so we had to go back a second. And yes, I will admit, even a third time to this tiny store in the middle of nowhere uh, to get all the things that we needed to complete the project. And in case you were wondering, the ribs turned out uh, very delicious and we enjoyed a great meal. But along the way, we had that frustration of we don't have everything that we need. Well, we're going to look at a very encouraging passage today in the scripture that reminds us When we are living the Christian life, we always have what we need. And we're going to see that today in 2 Peter, as we look at 2 Peter 1, uh, verses 1 through 11. And really, we see this amazing statement in uh, verse 3, where it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So there it says, we have everything that we're going to need. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we need to see those terms as connected here in this context, life and godliness. And really, I think this says a lot about the sufficiency of Scripture, the sufficiency of God's Holy Spirit at work in our lives, uh, that we have everything that we need. Does this mean the Bible gives us all the answers or God gives us all the answers to, you know, every little thing we're going to come across in life, how to change a flat tire, um, you know, how to cook ribs, all these other things that could come up? No, but he's giving us everything we need really for a godly life. All of that he has given to us. And he has done this, it says, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So it's really through the knowledge of God that we have all of these things. And that's where so many times we are conditioned by our culture and also uh, it's natural to us uh, through our flesh to look within, to kind of summon some power from within to do what we need to do. Or this is saying, no, that power comes through knowing God. It is in God that we have everything that we need. 
It is through him and also through the promises that he has given us. In verse four, it says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I love how it talks about he's granted us his precious and very great promises promises. Do you view God's promises that way? Are you familiar enough with the promises of God to say, yes, they are precious. They are very great. And so because I know God, I know his character, I know what he is like. And really the only way you're going to accurately know that is through the word. Because I know God and because I know his promises, I've got everything that I need to live a godly life. And then notice the link in verse five, where it says, for this very reason, make every effort. So those three words, make every effort, I feel like become less and less popular, even in kind of Christian circles that want to say, oh, the Christian life, it's not, it's not about effort. And I agree, it's not all about effort. The Christian life is based on what Christ has done, but this Living a godly life now as a believer and growing in sanctification does require effort. But even here, we're reminded that effort that is real, that we must put into our Christian life, it is based on these things. We have everything we need through the knowledge of God. We know him and because of his great and his precious and very great promises. Because I've got all that I need, I'm free to put all the effort I can into living a godly life. And then it kind of gives us some characteristics that we should aim for as Christians in that godly life. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And so there he gives us eight qualities, starting with faith, ending with love, that we should be seeking to cultivate in our lives. And so today I'd really encourage you to respond to this passage by thinking really of two things, reminding yourself of all that you have in Christ in God through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, and also to remember his precious and very great promises. That is all that you need. And so as you remember that you have all that you need, well, then I would also encourage you to think about those eight characteristics that we see there in verses five through seven, and even prayerfully consider a couple of those that you see the greatest need for uh, making every effort to add uh, those virtues or increase those virtues in your life. And you're not going to be able to separate those two. If you truly understand all that you have in Christ, it will lead to that effort. But if you try to make that effort uh, really on your own without uh, basing it all on the knowledge of God and his character and his promises, you will not get far. So we have all that we need, and let's remember that, let's rejoice in that, and because of that, let's go for it today as we seek to pursue God and pursue uh, godliness. And even just as we think about that reality that we have all that we need, and we have it all in God, that reminds me of something that we see today in uh, Psalm 119, and we look at verses Uh, 145 to 152. 
And it says in verse 151, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Right? Even mentioned that, uh, you know, we had to drive 15 minutes just to get to that middle of nowhere uh, gas station grocery store to get the things that we needed. uh, Right? Well, here we're reminded God is near. God is with us, and that's why we have everything that we need. We don't need to go somewhere and go on some quest to find what we need. No, we have it right there with us. God is near. All his commandments are true, and we have all that we need for life and godliness. Now, that does not mean that we will not need to be dependent. You see a very dependent attitude in this, it's based on the Hebrew letter cough, and that reminds me just of the sound that you see in the first three verses: cry, call, cry. You know that, that just the, the same consonant sound there. Cough. I cry out. I call out to God, and that's what he says in these first few verses: "With my whole heart, I cry. Answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you. Save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your." words. And so having everything we need does not mean that it will always be easy, but we have a God that we can cry out to, and we have a God who is near, as it says there in verse 151. Let's note some things about our other two readings that might help us get a little more out of them or understand some of the context of what is going on. Let's start in Jeremiah, where we look at chapters 47 and 48. And we've shifted gears here a little bit in Jeremiah uh, to now looking at other nations around uh, Judah, where Jeremiah would have been. And yesterday we saw Egypt. Today we're going to look at the Philistines and Moab. So how do you process these? You know, looking, uh, what in the world is it supposed to mean to you when you look at judgment coming on the Philistines or judgment coming on Moab? Uh, What should you get for that? Well, here's a few things to look for as you read passages like this. One, behold the wrath of God. We see the wrath of God clearly expressed on these nations in these chapters, and that should cause us to kind of listen up and see what the wrath of God looks like, see why the wrath of God comes. Also, look for the mercy of God in these passages. Even today at the end of Moab, he's going to speak of a restoration that is coming uh, for them. And so see, even when he declares his wrath on foreign nations that don't know God, even then we often see still the mercy of God mixed in. Another thing to look for is why the wrath of God is coming, because that uh, can warn us. These are the things that God hates. And if I'm a believer and I want to follow God and please him, these are the things that I must hate and avoid in my own life. And even in chapter 48, verse 29, it says, we have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud of his loftiness, his pride, and his arrogance, and the haughtiness of his heart. That should be a wake-up call to us. Wow, God really hates pride and cause us to examine ourselves and say, God, if you really hate pride, that's something I want to hate, and that's something I want to avoid in my own life. And a final thing, just as you read God speaking to nations, I always think it's a good idea for us to respond by praying for your own nation. 
and praying that your nation would turn away from its sins and that God would have mercy on your nation. So hopefully those few things can help you as you start to navigate these later chapters of Jeremiah of prophecies towards other nations. Look for the wrath of God. Look at for the mercy of God. Look at what it is that makes God angry and seek to avoid it. And also pray for your own nation. Now, finally, we wrap up in John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13, and this revolves and kind of starts to set up a story of Jesus going to Jerusalem for the Feast of Booths, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. One of the big feasts where everybody would gather in Jerusalem, usually in the fall time, and they'd set up booths to remind them of the time that they lived in booths or tabernacles or tents in the wilderness. And you see this conversation that Jesus has with his brothers, and it's hard to know what exactly are his brothers thinking. It seems clear at this point they are not believers. Um, What are their thoughts about Jesus? We don't fully know, but Jesus explains uh, that he's not going at that time because his time has not yet come. And we see that sense of timing that Jesus has all throughout um, the gospel, and he remains in Galilee at that moment, but then he is going to head up to the feast and we'll see him start to teach there tomorrow, but it even sets the atmosphere. There's there's controversy. People are whispering about Jesus, but there's this fear of the Jews. And that's the other thing that I would encourage you to note kind of more in a historical sense from this passage. It's very clear. Look at verse one, the Jews were seeking to kill him. Even from these early chapters in John, it has already gotten to a point where clearly the Jewish leaders want to kill Christ. And there is a fear that spreads even throughout Jerusalem during the this feast. Hey, we better keep our conversations about Christ on the on the down low. Let's keep it hush hush because of this animosity towards Christ. So hopefully that helps you get some of the context there in John. But as you think about your life today and seeking to follow and please God, be reminded you have all that you need through knowing God, his character, and knowing his precious and very great promises. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.